This morning, we have a guest speaker, a great friend of mine, Blair Quinius from Urban Promise Honduras. About eight years ago, when I first started working at uh, St. Luke's, a guy named uh, Bruce Main came riding in his bike with Urban Promise, who was staying on the island, told me more about the ministry, told him I wanted to take some kids internationally, and then he told me about Blair, who's somewhere behind me, and uh, we started a great friendship. We're getting ready to bring our sixth group to uh, Honduras this summer. I serve on the board of directors with Urban Promise Honduras. We've become great friends. And Blair is someone I admire greatly because he's a man of courage. When he hears from the Lord, he's not afraid to take action, to do crazy things uh, in the name of, uh, in name of God's kingdom, in the name of the gospel. So uh, this morning, Blair is going to share the message with us, which I thought was appropriate on Youth Sunday. So Blair, we'll pray for you, and then you'll be seated after he prays. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you now and we give you this time uh, in gratitude. I pray for open hearts and that my words in this time would allow us to see you and know you better. Amen. You may be seated. What does divine intervention look like? How does God intervene? Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young attendants walked beside her. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her maid to bring it. When she opened it, she saw the child and he was crying. She took pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews children. When the child grew older, the servant brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and she took him as her son. She named him Moses. Because, she said, I drew him out of the water. More than a decade ago, I became involved with a youth ministry called Urban Promise. And at the time, I was serving at a site in Vancouver, Canada. And several of the children at our camp were Sudanese refugees. They were born in Sudan, living their childhood years in Africa, and then immigrated to Canada around third grade. It was a new country a new language, a new culture, miles away from family. Everything was obviously very different. By God's grace, they found a support network through our ministry. And there was a group of these young men who I've been discipling and mentoring over the last 10 years. Over the past weekend, I had the opportunity to spend time with one of them. His name is Khalil. And as we typically do, we sat around asking each other a bunch of big life questions to which neither of us could really provide the answer. And on this particular day, Khalil asked me, if you could ask God any question, what would you ask him? And I responded as honestly as I could. And then like any good teacher who doesn't really have an answer for himself, I turned the question back on Khalil. And I asked him, if you could ask God any question, what would you ask him? And there was some silence as he sat there. I could tell he was curious, fiddling with the napkin in front of him. And he said, I would ask God for a second chance. And I was surprised. 
I was surprised because I didn't really like his answer, first off. I thought he could come up with a better, a better answer and a better, better question than that. Obviously, God is not going to give Khalil a restart on life. We don't get to start everything over from scratch. And I was just about to kind of wrap things up and move on when I felt God tell me to slow down. Stop and listen to his pain. What about my, God, what about my grace? I felt God reminding me of the many second chances that I get every day. And so I listened. And I saw Khalil's life playing out like a movie in my mind. I began to see his painful childhood growing up in Sudan. I saw the civil war tearing his community and his country in two. I heard the gunshots at night as he closed his eyes to sleep. I heard of family members being lost for seemingly no reason at all. I felt the anxiety that comes with growing up in a refugee camp, protecting yourself, protecting your family, no freedom. The anxiety he must have felt when he was chosen to have refugee status, escaping and immigrating to Canada. I smelled the alcohol on his father's breath as his addiction not only destroyed the family, but erased any semblance of a fatherly role model for Khalil. The longing to hear someone say, I love you. And now it made sense. Now I could feel the weight hanging on every syllable as Khalil said, I would ask God for a second chance. And he was totally serious. Even though as a Christian, he knows about God's grace, he still wanted a complete restart on life, a clean slate. He wanted a redo in life that would avoid that painful childhood, eliminate all of that and perhaps make life a little bit easier. And I wanted to have a better answer for him. I wanted to take all of that pain away, but I believe it's part of his testimony and it's an example of the second chances that God is always giving us. What is just as interesting as his petition is who he believes could grant him his wish. What does divine intervention look like? How does God intervene? I still do not believe God will give Khalil a complete restart on life, but his grace and mercies are new in every breath of every day. God intervenes in this way by making second chances, not just a prayer that we throw up towards heaven, but it's the very essence of who God is, the very essence of his grace. There's no escaping the fact that most of us would like a do-over At some point during the week, perhaps already today, we want to do over. But definitely at some point in your life, we find ourselves wanting a restart. And God's grace and forgiveness is sufficient enough to where it just doesn't have to be a hope or something we dream about. It's something we can accept and actually live out. So some of us find ourselves on the receiving end of second chances and some of us find ourselves on the giving end of second chances. But God also intervenes by placing his grace and mercy in his creation. As we see in the Exodus passage, Pharaoh's daughter saw that baby Moses was alone in the water. What did she do? She took pity on him. 
requested that he be pulled out of the water and took him as her own son. God intervened through her compassion and it completely changed the direction of Moses' life. Moses was not supposed to be saved. He was not supposed to have a future of any kind, much less a future that would impact billions of people. At that time, Pharaoh had commanded all Hebrew male babies to be killed. He existed on the margins, a slim chance for survival. Moses was a throwaway. But something stirred within Pharaoh's daughter, and when she saw him floating on the Nile, she had compassion. A compassion so strong that it compelled her to act in a way that was definitely rebellious and probably very dangerous. I like to call these Moses moments. Moments when great compassion and extreme need collide, resulting in a life that is transformed and set onto a new direction towards God. There's another young man in our ministry who has taught me a lot about second chances and Moses moments. Last year I was driving through the streets of Santo Domingo, the capital of Dominican Republic. And there's mopeds and bicycles and broken down taxis zigzagging through the streets all around us. And I could have sworn it was a race car video game. And after an hour, we arrive at the Urban Promise summer camp. And this wasn't just any summer camp. This was the first Urban Promise expansion site in Latin America. And as we pulled up, I was surprised and excited to see the young man leading the camp. His name is Jose Martinez. What's so special about Jose? Well, Jose grew up through our programs in Honduras, and he recalls the first day that he came to a UPH activity. We have a weekly youth group, and one of his friends basically brought Jose there uh, kind of by chance. Jose didn't know what he was getting into, and Jose quickly felt like he was in over his head. At the youth event, they were talking about two things that were very foreign to Jose. The Bible and working with children. Jose spent most of his time on the streets. He had no purpose, unemployed, unable to stay in school. He definitely had zero experience working with children. So when they asked for a volunteer that night, raising his hand and offering himself was the last thing on Jose's mind. But Jose's friend, Darwin, had a different plan. He thought it would be funny to quickly raise Jose's hand and volunteer him for a job at the after-school program. Jose had no idea what was going on. His hand is raised. He gets accepted as a volunteer. And that one day of volunteering turned into many more. It turned into a calling that really might last a lifetime. Jose ended up serving in many different leadership roles through our ministry. He devoted his life to following Jesus and is now realizing his dream to do missionary work in Latin America. This is a huge first step in that direction. He is joining the founding team of our new site, Urban Promise Dominican Republic. And all of that started because someone had compassion. Someone pulled him out of the water. Moses moments. 
Moments when great compassion and extreme need collide, resulting in a life that is transformed and set onto a new direction towards God. Jose was not supposed to be saved. He was not supposed to have a future of any kind, much less a future that would impact teenagers in a distant country in the middle of the Caribbean. Jose existed on the margins. According to the world, he was a throwaway. There are a million more youth more qualified, more stable, more mature. But somewhere along the way, someone had compassion. And that compassion inspired them to act against the norm. They saw Jose through the lens that God sees him, not paying attention to what the world says. Couldn't I say the same about all of us? The world says that we are not worthy to be saved, that we have no purpose or impact as a Christian, that there are a million more people more qualified, more holy, more mature, that being a vehicle of God's grace and mercy is the job of the priests and the missionaries. I disagree. God wants to use each of us. He wants to use each of you in our ordinary, everyday life. That is God's plan. So what about St. Luke's? What about you as an individual? Who is it that needs your compassion? Who is it that God is telling you to pull out of the water? Is there someone who needs your time? Your wisdom? Your finances? Is there someone who needs your presence? Maybe your forgiveness? Or maybe you are the one who needs to give yourself a second chance. Maybe you need to extend yourself the same grace that God has already extended you. As we heard in the Gospel reading, that you love one another as I have loved you, no one has greater love than this, that you lay down your life for others. So how can you be a vehicle of God's grace and mercy? I say we accept God's grace today. A second chance does not just have to be a hope. It is the reality of a life with God. He does it for us, and now we do it for ourselves and for others. In every breath of every moment of every day. God is intervening all around all the time. Make yourselves available to God. Be vehicles of his grace and mercy and let that compassion transform others. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your grace and we thank you for second chances. We thank you for the opportunity to be available to you and to serve. Please open our eyes and open our hearts to how we can serve you more, to how we can be vehicles of your grace and your mercy. Amen.